Hello there. You're welcome to the Read Podcast. This season, we'll be reading from the book Love the Way to Victory by Kenneth He Agin. I do pray that you learn as you enjoy this podcast. Remember that the blessing is in the application of the word. Come on, let's get into it. Page 157, Chapter 5 God's Love versus Human Love. God so loved the world that He gave. You can find this in John 3, verse 16. When the sinners in the world were unlovely, God gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But you see, we humans get our feelings hurt and then we want to strike back and retaliate. Instead of exercising forgiveness, our feelings want to show up and our feelings want to act up. That's what the word means when it says we have to crucify the flesh. Galatians 5 verse 24. I don't know about you, but I refuse to get hurt about anything. That's what the word means to say when it says we have to crucify the flesh. I don't know about you, but I refuse to get hurt feelings about anything. Some say, burling, squirreling, and carrying on. But you don't know how bad you hurt me. That's selfishness showing up, not the God kind of love. Because you're only thinking about yourself. When you talk like that, you're allowing your flesh, your feelings to dominate you. When your feelings dominate you, you're going to have to get out of the flesh and get into the spirit so you can walk in the God kind of love. The Bible says, Ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwells inside you. You can find this in Romans 8 verse 9. Come on over and walk in the spirit. Come up higher and walk in the God kind of love. It is so much better And I will tell you, it pays rich dividends. If you want to love life and see many good days, you had better listen. Thank God the love of God works. Someone said, but I failed so much in the past. Well, if you failed in the past, then ask God for forgiveness and put that all behind you. Start over in the present. One thing about it, God will let you start over again. Because in his great mercy and in his great love, he is forgiven. Aren't you glad God is the way? God said, I, even I, I am he that blotted out your transgression for my own sake, and I will not remember thy sins. So even if you do miss it, if you repent, God will forgive you, blot it out, and not even remember that you did anything wrong. So start walking in his forgiveness and mercy and get on with your own life. Divine love can be stern. You see, when you talk about love, we are talking about the God kind of love, divine love. Too many times I think people try to compare divine love with natural human love. But divine love and natural human love are entirely different. Natural human love can change and turn to hatred overnight. Or it can be soft and mushy sometimes when it should be firm and sometimes even stern. But sometimes, divine love can be very stern. You see, there's another side to God's love. For example, was Jesus a man of love when he walked on the earth? 
Of course he was. He also was a man of faith, power, and a man of God. He was tempted in all points just like we are, yet he never committed a sin. He was the only man who never committed sin. But remember when he took that whip and drove those many changers out of the temple, he was acting in love. Yes, he was. You see, there's a stand side to God's love. God is love. There is a gracious and gentle side of God, but there's also a stern, judgmental side of God's love. It's just like the love parents have towards their children. Sometimes parents have to reprimand their children and then be very stern with them. Do they discipline their children because they hate them? No, they discipline them because they love them. People have quoted for years, spare the rod and spoil the child. Do you know that this is not in the Bible? Actually, the Bible is tougher than that. It says, He that spared his rod hated his son, but he that loveth him chastiseth him and betimes him. Proverbs 13 verse 24. In other words, if you love your children, you would discipline them. Sometimes love, the God kind of love, has to be stern too. Let me show you what I mean. My wife and I went to pastoral church in 1946. When we first got there, I don't think there were any young people at all in that particular church who were saved and the teenagers would misbehave in the church. In those days, we only have a small one-room auditorium. There weren't any nurseries or other rooms, not even a prayer room. But the sanctuary seated about 300 people. The teenagers would sit on the back pew and they would talk, laugh, and carry on loud during the church service. They were talking so loudly that I could hear them when I was trying to preach. Then sometimes we would have a visiting singer who would sing a special song, and some of them even played their guitar too. These young people would sit in the back of the church and act up and pretend like they weren't playing a guitar. They would sing louder than the guest singer. Well, I knew enough to know that you just can't go into a place and start changing things overnight. So I put up with it for several months. Trying to work with the people, just saying things like, we are going to have other in services. On Sunday night, I was preaching. The sanctuary was just packed. The windows were open and sometimes there were more people standing outside looking in the windows listening to the sermon than there were inside the building. Two young men who were strangers to our church were talking so loudly in the back of the church that the people in the front row turned around and looked at them. Finally, I stopped right in the middle of my sermon, closed my Bible and said, that's it. I didn't want to embarrass those fellows because they were new to the church. So I asked, is somebody talking? Someone in the congregation answered, yes. I said, now I've talked to you very kindly for more than three months about talking during the message and keeping order in service. But from this moment on, the next person who talks out loud in church or disturbs the service in any way, I am going to have them arrested for disturbing public worship. Someone spoke up and said, We've heard that before. I said, Yes, and now you're going to see it. 
Then I dismissed the service. There was no use preaching. The service had already been disrupted. I learned later that some of the former pastors had even gone so far as to have some people arrested for disturbing the service, but they wouldn't prefer charges against them, so the people were let go. I had to go talk to the parents of the children who were making such disturbance. First, I went to Brother H who had two teenage daughters. I said to him, Now, Brother H, I am going to have your daughters arrested for disturbing public worship if they keep it up. And you will either have to pay their fine or else they will have to work it out on the country firm. In those days, you could work out your fine out on the country firm. I thought he would oppose me for saying that. But he said to me, Brother Hagen, you are exactly right. I say go ahead and have them arrested. I can't pay the fine, so they will just have to work it out on the country firm. He added, you know, I've told them again and again, if you can't behave in church, don't go down there. You may wonder why I, a man who is six feet four inches tall, can't handle two teenage daughters. But my main trouble is my wife, because she won't cooperate with me. When a couple won't work together in an attitude of love to raise their children, it makes a big problem and creates a mess. I went to another dear lady. Bless her heart. I said to her, Have your children sit up in the front row with you so you can watch them and make them behave. She said, But Brother Higgin, if I have my children sit with me, I can't really get into the service and shout and dance and carry on. I told her, you would be a greater blessing to this church if you would make your kids mind you than if you are dancing and shouting. Then I went to talk to another parent, Mr. H. He wasn't a Christian, but his wife was a member of the church. He'd bring their boys to church, but he'd just stand outside the church building with them and not come in. But his daughter would come into the sanctuary and they always talked and carried on. I took two of the deacons with me to be a witness when I went to talk with this man because he wasn't a Christian. I said, Mr. H, I am going to have your daughters arrested for disturbing public worship if they keep acting up. But I want to be fair about it and come to talk to you first. If they keep on disturbing the service, you will either have to pay their fine or else they will have to work their fine out on the country firm. He threatened me by saying, Well, you and these deacons aren't always on this church property. When he said that, I just stepped up almost in his face and said, There's one thing about it. I am not ashamed of anything or afraid of anyone. He backed down and said, My daughters are not the only ones who are acting up. I told him, They are not, but they are the worst ones. And do you know that when he saw that I wasn't going to back down, he just changed and started talking kindly to me. Sometimes, love has to be stern and fearless and not back down when it's in his right. Do you know what happened in that church? Within six weeks, within six weeks, 25 of those young people got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And they were the very ones doing all the talking. 
You see, walking in God's kind of love doesn't mean that you are milk toast and you just let everyone run over you. It doesn't mean that you have to be a doormat either and just let people walk on you. But it does mean that you have to do what's right and sometimes that means not backing down. In the early days of my ministry, I preached out in the country as a young Baptist boy preacher. I didn't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost at this particular time, although I was filled with the Spirit later on. I was 18 and I stayed at the home of some dear people who had two boys, one 17 years old and one 16 years old. Both of those boys were bigger than I was. They were large, husky boys who had been raised on the farm. I only weighed 138 pounds because I had only been off the bed of sickness for a couple of years. The oldest boy, Ray, would throw mad fists and he would go through the house breaking up furniture. He would slap his mama around and he usually grabbed a gun and go waving that around too. I was staying with that family at this particular time because I was preaching in that town. One day, this oldest boy came into my room in one of those mad fists, waving a gun and cussing at me. I caught up in his face and said, Ray, wait a minute. Do you know who you're talking to? I am the preacher in this town. Now, I don't live here. This is not my house, but this is my room. You just be quiet and get out of here. Do you know that that minute I stood up to him, he just quieted right down and he never came into my bedroom again. In fact, sometime later after my wife and I got married, we went back to that same town and held a meeting and stayed with those same people. One time when we were staying there, Ray threw one of those fists but he didn't dare come into our room. Even though it was years after this first incident, he just went through the house cursing everyone, but he didn't come into our room. No, the God kind of love doesn't mean that you just give in and let everyone walk over you. On the other hand, it doesn't mean that you act up and bully everyone either. But sometimes, the love of God means that you have to be stern and get up for what you know is right. God's love never fails. Therefore, if you're walking in divine love, you can't fail. If you're walking in the God kind of love, His love walking in and through you will be more than enough for any situation. The God kind of love will put you over in life because God is love. And walking in God's love is profitable. Not just in life, but also in the life to come. Enjoy the benefits and great rewards in walking in the God kind of love. Confessions Say after me, I will walk in God's love. I will not criticize others because God's love walks no ill to his neighbor. When I am walking in God's love, I can claim God's best blessings in life. I will be tender-hearted and forgiving. Therefore, I shall reap a blessing. I will keep my tongue from speaking evil, and I will eschew evil and pursue peace with every man. I thank you, Father, that as I endeavor to grow in the fruit of love, you will help me be all that I can be in you.
Chapter 6 Failing to walk in love can affect your health. If you're going to walk in divine health, you would have to walk in God's love. If your faith is going to be effectual, you would have to put the God kind of love to work for you so God's love can be effectual. God's love is the only thing that's going to win out in the end. Sometimes it will look like love is not winning, but if you just keep practicing it, exercising it, eventually it will win in the end. Because the Bible says, love never fails. Galatians 5 verse 6 says, For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which walketh by love. It is a scriptural principle that if you don't walk in love towards others, your faith won't work. A right heart receives from God. If only people understood how much walking in love has to do with folks receiving their healing. That's why in my meetings, I encourage folks to hear as much of the word as possible before they get into the healing line. Sometimes they just need to make an adjustment in their love walk before they receive their healing. You see, sometimes by listening to the word, people get to the root cause and find out where they are missing it in their faith connection. And a lot of times they are missing it in the area of walking in love and forgiveness. Over the years, I've noticed that those folks who listen to the word and respond to it by making the necessary adjustments in their hearts are the ones who receive their healing. Only a small percentage of people receive healing who only go to one meeting, don't get into the word for themselves, and don't make any needed changes. For example, a woman came to my wife and me after a meeting once and said, I have had a stomach trouble and a respiratory problem for some time. I decided to go to every of your services and get in the healing line at the end of the week. She had already been to almost every leading healing evangelist in America at that time, but had not gotten healed. This woman said, Toward the end of the week, I began to realize that before I could get into the healing line and expect God to do something for me, I was going to have to get my heart right by calling my brother to ask him to forgive me. She went on to explain to my wife and me that she and her brother had a disagreement 25 years ago. They had not spoken to each other since, yet they both claimed to be Christians. Folks ought to have enough sense to know that if they don't receive healing after hands have been laid on them a few times, particularly by those who are especially used by God along this line, they should look inside to see if they are out of line with God's word somewhere. They should check up on themselves and start changing and making the necessary adjustments because God can never change. But too many times when folks do not get healed, they want to lay off all responsibility on God or someone else, but they need to check up on themselves first. This woman checked up on the inside and realized she still harbored resentment and unforgiveness against her brother for something that had happened 25 years earlier. She had recently been filled with the Holy Spirit, but she had been saved for many years. 
If she had been listening to her spirit, the Holy Ghost would have led her to reconcile with her brother years before. Sometimes it takes some people a long time to change, but it doesn't have to. They could change sooner if they would just learn to walk in love. Anyway, she called her brother long distance and said, I just want to call you and ask you to forgive me. I was wrong. He said, I'm so glad you called. I was thinking about calling you. You weren't to blame. I was. I've been intending to call you to ask you to forgive me. They finally agreed to take 50% of the blame. She told him that after their meeting, she was going to fly to New York to visit him. She told me later that after she had gotten things right with her brother, she felt a deep sense of peace and well-being on the inside. She laid down to take a nap before the evening service. Later, she told my wife and me, when I woke up, I couldn't find a trace of any kind of sickness. I mean, every symptom and every pain completely disappeared, she said. I've never felt so good in all my life. All my stomach problems have disappeared and so have my lung problems. She said, I came all the way down here to the meeting and I never did get in the healing line. But when I forgave my brother and got things straightened out with him, I got healed. The moment she started walking in love, she could claim God's promises about healing. Over a period of many years, I've had persons after persons tell me the same thing. They had to forgive someone and get the situation straightened out before they could receive their healing. Some of them were terminal cases. One man told me, my doctor said, you'll be dead in 30 days. The man just made the necessary adjustments in his heart by getting rid of every bit of ill will, animosity and unforgiveness and he's healed and still alive today. I never did have to pray for him or lay my hands on him. Think about that. He was healed of terminal cancer when he exercised forgiveness. In more than half a century of ministry, I have dealt with thousands of people who needed healing, not all at one time, of course, but I'm talking about dealing with sick people on a two-to-one basis over a period of many years. I've known people who got in the healing line of nearly every healing evangelist of the day and still didn't get well, especially in the days gone by when there were healing revivals everywhere. Then I've seen those same people who make a trip to prayer room and get their hearts right with God. Then you didn't even have to pray for them. Their illnesses disappeared completely. In my own ministry, I've had many people come forward in my healing lines who had been in everyone else's healing line in the country. They made a trip to the prayer room, got some things straightened out in their hearts, and they were instantly healed. They didn't have to get in anyone's prayer line. In fact, no one had to pray for them at all. They just got healed. Some people were slow about catching on to the fact that faith simply won't work without love. 
people ought to know that if men of God, particularly those who are used of God along the line of healing, lay hands on them and they don't get any results, they ought to start examining themselves. God doesn't ever change. Therefore, they are going to have to be the ones to change and make adjustments in their love work. You see, the Bible says it's the entrance of God's word that gives light. You can find this in Psalm 119 verse 130. And when you walk in the light of God's word, you receive the results, the benefit and the fruit thereof. I've been in the healing ministry for nearly 60 years and I know from experience that so many Christians fail to receive their healing because they are unwilling to straighten things up with others. They are unwilling to rid their heart of anything that isn't right with God. Sometimes they need to forgive someone else, but sometimes they just need to forgive themselves. Some folks will forgive others, but not themselves. They have to forgive themselves too in order to walk in health. Harmful effects of animosity. Believers need to understand how much ill will and animosity will harm them. It can affect their spiritual growth. It can cause their prayers to be hindered and it can even make them sick. For example, when I was out in the field ministry holding meetings, I happened to run into a pastor who had a church in that city. He didn't look well, so I asked him, what is wrong with you? He asked me, do you know brother so and so? I said, yes. Well, the pastor said, he came into my town and started another church. Your town? I asked, yes. I didn't know this town belongs to you, I said. Well. I was the only full gospel church here, he said. He did me wrong by starting another church here, and I will never forgive him for it. Then he asked, Kenneth, would you pray for me? I've got ulcer. Well, I knew right then what had caused his ulcer. I knew it wouldn't do any good to pray for his healing because he still had animosity and unforgiveness inside his heart. Besides, I happen to know that under all the rules of that pastor's particular denomination, the other pastor was perfectly within his right to start a church in that city. Not only that, but I knew something about the situation. Actually, some other people started the church, not the other pastor. The people got together and said, we want a church in our own end of the town. So they organized the church. So they organized the church, got it started with 67 people and elected a new pastor. That new pastor didn't even start that church. The people had even raised several thousand dollars, had bought a lot and were ready to build a church building on it before the other pastor was even voted into that church. I said to this first pastor, you ought to pray that God will send someone else into this town and start another church. Then I asked him, how many people were you averaging in Sunday school before the other church started? He said, about 113 people, including kids, babies, and everyone. I asked, how many people are you averaging now? 
he said. Any wave, he said. Oh, anyway, from 240 to 260 people. How many is that pastor averaging? Well, I'm sorry to say, anywhere from 260 to 280 people. They are beating us. Can you imagine an attitude like that from a man of God? Hello there. I trust you had a wonderful time listening. Do join me again next time as we continue on this love adventure. I pray that God's love will continue to find expression in and through you. I am Eunice. Enjoy the rest of your day.